0: Hey, bubs. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is discusses Wolverine. I'm your host, Ryan. Today's episode is a continuation of our exploration of Return of Wolverine and Hunt for Wolverine. Today, we are covering Adamantium Agenda 1 through 4. It was one of the four miniseries that were part of the Hunt for Wolverine event. So, before I get started on today's episode, I did just want to give a quick update uh, regarding the social media status of Talk and Snicked. As it turns out, I recently discovered that my Instagram account for Talk and Snicked is still active. So, I will be utilizing that social media tool to discuss upcoming episodes and just talk about X-Men in general and Wolverine specifically. So if you are on Instagram or you've been considering picking up an Instagram account, then uh, go make one and give me a follow. We are over there at Talkin Snicked. So uh, it turns out we are going to have a social media presence for this show Again, I didn't even realize that I still had it active. Um, I've been on Instagram for a different podcast that I produce with my young sons, and uh, I recently noticed that I had, like, this weird notification, and, yeah, it turns out the account for Talking Snicked was still active. I actually set it up way back when, uh, before I originally launched Talking Snicked as a podcast, I was going to do both Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I just never utilized the... Uh, the Instagram tool. So we are over there. So if you guys uh, have an account there, check us out. All right. So for today, we are going to talk about Adamantium Agenda 1 through 4. Like I said, it's one of the four miniseries that uh, covered the Hunt for Wolverine event. The first episode of this series, we went back through that Hunt for Wolverine one shot. Last week, we tackled issues 1 through 4 of Mystery in Madripoor. today is one through four of Adamantium Agenda. Objectively, this is probably the best of the four miniseries in terms of story, in terms of writing, in terms of artwork, and I think it's probably my second favorite overall uh, just because thematically I enjoy the one that we'll be discussing next week probably a little bit more. Uh, but this is, in my opinion, it's objectively the best of the four miniseries. So um, all four issues were written by Tom Taylor. All four were penciled by R.B. Silva. Issue one has inks from Adriano Di Benedetto with R.B. Silva, and then two through four inks just from Adriano Di Benedetto. Uh, colors in issue one were from Jesus Abertov and then two through four featured colors from Guru EFX. And lastly, we have letters in all four From VC's Joe Sabino. So that covers the creative team for this miniseries. This is the miniseries that chronicles the adventures of Tony Stark's team that is also currently investigating the whereabouts, following up on leads as to where Wolverine, where Logan is. Uh, The thing with Wolverine is he has been everywhere in the marvel universe and he's teamed up with basically any hero who exists in the marvel universe you know that hero has had at least one team up with wolverine wolverine is more ubiquitous in marvel even probably than spider-man maybe not in the last decade but definitely from the mid-80s all the way up through the early aughts i'd say uh, I don't think there was a more popular Marvel character, not necessarily in terms of fan appreciation, but just in terms of sales and appearances, there hadn't been a more popular character than Wolverine. And because of that ubiquity that Wolverine had being everywhere all at the same time, uh, he has ties to the X-Men. He has ties to the Avengers. He has ties to the ninja world and the spy world. And he's been an anti-hero and he's been a hero. Sometimes he's even been a little bit of a villain. So the cool thing about these four different miniseries that we get is each one of them is kind of like a different genre. And each one deals with a different part of the Marvel universe that had been touched by Wolverine's existence. And this happens to be the Avengers book. At the end of Hunt for Wolverine, Kitty Pride got in contact with Daredevil. She got in contact with Tony Stark. And of course, she put together her own team of ex-ladies. And then we also saw a, a brief thing with the Reavers and Lady Deathstrike. So this covers the Tony Stark team, the Avengers team, and we're just going to dive right in. The very first page of the very first issue is a full panel and it's a woman in what looks to be like an astronaut suit or a hazmat suit of some sort with the shield logo right there in the front. It's got one of those big giant uh, visor type deals that goes right in front of your face so you can move your head and look, but you're shielded from whatever it is, which is why I'm thinking it's like hazmat or even kind of looks like a space or an underwater suit. And she is turning to like look over her shoulder and she says, Avengers? Oh, thank goodness. And in the reflection of the visor, you see Wolverine, Spider-Man, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. And then the scene change. Well, the scene doesn't change. The page changes and we're told what exactly is going on. We're in this uh, apartment building in Tribeca, New York, years ago. And we're getting some exposition like, oh, it was an anonymous tip that uh, there's a bomb here and all that. So basically this team of Avengers is called in because S.H.I.E.L.D. has gotten word that there's like an AIM bomb of some sort in this random building. And it's something that they can't necessarily tackle themselves. So that's why the Avengers were called in. And they kind of tell you it's like... (laughs) I just like this scenario because it's one of these scenarios where it's designed that no matter what happens, something bad is going to happen. The only way to, to defuse the bomb or disarm the bomb is basically to sacrifice a hero. You know, they say it's a hero killer because you know, the conundrum is in order to turn the bomb off, someone has to stand there and flip this little switch. But if they flip the switch, then they will die. I mean, they'll save all the other lives, but they will die. Uh, I just like, total supervillain kind of deal like exactly what you would expect from aim or one of those crappy little terrorist groups that exist in the greater marvel universe you know so naturally wolverine's like look here's the deal luke cage you have indestructible skin but if this bomb goes off and you know it throws you against the wall or whatever like all of your insides are going to get messed up same thing with you, Jessica. You've got super strength, but you're not invulnerable. Spider-Man, same deal. So here's what's going to happen. You three are going to get everyone within radius, the suspected radius of this bomb blast. You're going to get everyone out of here, including Shield Lady. And I'm going to flip the switch because, you know, whatever it is, it'll kill me maybe, but I'll heal. So it doesn't matter. So that's what Wolverine does. I'm I'm glossing over some good humor here because... Tom Taylor actually writes, in addition to a great Laura, uh, he actually writes great characters in general. His Wolverine is awesome. I really dig his Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, as we'll get to see more of them as this series goes on. But I really like his Spider-Man, particularly in this series. And it's because he was so good with this character, eventually he was able to go on and launch his own Spider-Man title, uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, I think. I actually, I read like one issue of that and it was fine. Um, but it wasn't enough to pull me in, which I was kind of shocked. But he definitely gets the Spider-Man humored down in this particular scene. So after a long while, the Avengers kind of debate what they're going to do. And they come to the conclusion that I just pretty much said, which is Wolverine's like, everyone get out of here. I'm going to flip the switch. So we get to see Wolverine flip the switch on this bomb. Uh, And unfortunately it does what it, what they think it's going to do. He flicks the switch and it shuts down, but it has this kind of safety on it, where if it does shut down, a part of it will open and expose 2 nuclear powered rods or whatever, you know, something that's, it's very bad, (laughs) whatever, whatever it is, it's very bad. I'm sure that there's a scientific thing behind it, but I'm not an expert on nuclear fission. So, but I think it's something along those lines. There's like this bright green light. And right before the bomb explodes, engulfing Wolverine in flames, uh, he sees something in the bomb and he's like, oh you you're gonna have some explaining to do you son of a and then the bomb goes off so you know that he sees something inside this bomb that is probably not something good for one of our heroes even though he's able to turn the bomb off there's still like a massive explosion so it's one of those like hey instead of taking out a hundred city blocks it only took out five uh, but beautiful artwork here from rb silva this is like we're already like 10 pages into this first issue, and the artwork's fantastic. R.B. Silva, uh, in the late 2018, 2019 um, right up I think he even did some stuff in uh, some of the Dawn of X books. I, I, I kind of stopped reading like right at the launch of Dawn of X, so I can't remember what he was doing with the, uh, w- with the you know, inside the X-Men line, but up to Dawn of X, he had drawn a couple uh, important arcs and a couple important um, ongoings. And uh, him, along with Pepe Larraz, like really kind of brought the artwork in the X-Books back up to the level of, maybe not quite the level of like the Jim Lees and the Wills Portacios and the Mark Silvestris, but at least that level, that 90s level where you got the Kubert's and the Joe Mads and all that stuff. Like I would say that this era right before Don of X with RB Silva and Pepe Larraz, especially those two Um, really brought the artwork up to the point where you're like, yes, these are some of the best artists at Marvel and they're on the best books. That being said, his Avengers are pretty darn good too. Like his Spider-Man is awesome. I love his Iron Man that we finally get to see right after the blast happens and you've got the Avengers just kind of hanging out right at the edge of the blast like perimeter thing. You got Luke and Jessica and Spider-Man and then Iron Man finally shows up. And Silva draws great Iron Man. His Iron Man's fantastic. Anyway, Tony shows up and he's like, Hey, fellow Avengers, like Wolverine's in there, right? <laughs> Jessica just says, like, yeah, whatever's left of him. And so Tony's like, Alright, it's cool. Um, I'll go I'll go in and find him. But then the scene changes. Remember, this was Tribeca, New York years ago. So now that the scene changes to now, and we kind of get some uh foreshadowing with Tony Stark. So Tony is at Wolverine's gravesite, not where the statue is, but where the X-Men actually put the body, where Kitty then discovered that the body was missing. Tony is there and he's talking to Kitty and he's like, "Look, I owe, I owe him a favor. Like the reason why I agreed to to do this uh when you asked is because like I owe Wolverine a favor. I owe Wolverine my life." And she's like, "Hey, that's that's good enough for me." I mean, you know, who in the Marvel universe doesn't owe Wolverine their life? Uh, but yeah, that's that's cool. Um, do you have any ideas? Do you have any leads? And Tony's like, yeah, yeah, I may have a lead. I just have to make a call. So then the scene changes again, and here is Spider-Man fighting the Vulture, and he gets a call, and it's Tony, and Tony's like, hey, uh, you know, listen, um, Logan's body is missing. I made a promise to him that day in Tribeca that uh, we'll get into later on as the story progresses, but like we owe it to the guy to see if we can find his body or if not his body, find his living self. <laughs> and so Spider-Man's like, all right, fine. Like, yeah, come pick me up. I'm in New York. And Tony's like, yeah, I know where you are. I'll send you, um, you know, I'll send someone to pick you up. And then, you know, we're, I'm grabbing Luke and, and Jessica too. I've already lined up a babysitter for Danielle. That's Luke and Jessica Jones, little baby girl. Um, and so then we're, we're, we'll get, head out. And Spider-Man's like, all right, cool, yeah. um, Where are we going? And then the scene changes again, and we are now 100 miles off the coast of Guam. (laughs) I like this. It's like we're in the ocean, and there's this big giant submarine, and then like docked, I guess, like wet docked on, like right next to the submarine, are like all these pleasure yachts and all these like really fancy speedboats and stuff, and. The Avengers themselves are in one of these boats that's going up on the ocean towards the submarine to dock as well. And you got like Tony in a suit and Luke Cage in his typical like yellow t-shirt tucked into his blue jeans. You got Jessica Jones. And then you have Spider-Man also in like a suit and tie and everything, (laughs) but he still has a Spider-Man mask on. I can't remember why. I think it was Doctor Strange at some point after the Civil War um, where Peter revealed his identity to the world that I think it was Dr. Strange did something where he made everyone on earth forget Peter's identity as Spider-Man. So anyway, so we got Spider-Man here and he's on this boat with everyone, but he's still got his mask on. And, uh, Tony kind of fills him in like, okay, so here's the deal. There's this black market and in this black market, they're They sell all kinds of things from weapons to, you know, whatever, personnel, equipment, all kinds of stuff. Well, anyway, uh, I got wind that on this particular black market, they are selling the DNA of a superhero. So that's why we're all here. Uh, So everyone put on these these masks and they're wearing like tiki masks. (laughs) Anyway, now that they're all masked up, they arrive at the submarine finally. And there's like an armed guard just standing on the top where the little hole thing is that you climb down. I don't know what it's called on a submarine. Uh, So they they go down in and like everyone is seen to their own little kind of like uh, private quarters area where they can meet and you know discuss their strategy i guess for this upcoming auction and all that. So while they're there Tony pretty much says like hey here's the deal um I'm actually rich and they deal in cryptocurrency and I have lots of that. So I'll go out there and uh there's like a bitcoin joke in here which I think is funny like Jessica Jones makes a comment that she doesn't trust bitcoin and Tony's like what are you talking about everyone should trust bitcoin. Yeah, that joke aged well. (laughs) Uh, Needless to say, they're all in there and they're kind of discussing their strategy. And then, you know, the bad guys that actually run the black market thing come in and they're like, all right, the auction's about to begin. So, um, you know, one of you come and the others wait, we only allow one person per party into the auction at once. Of course, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are very much not happy about it. But Tony's like, Hey, look, um, as much as we'd all like to fight, just fight our way in here and just, you know, take what we need, which is the identity of this DNA stuff. Uh, don't forget that like, we're all superheroes. Yeah. But we're in a submarine. That's like a hundred feet under the water, a hundred miles off the coast of Guam. Like let's not be hasty. It's fine. You have your, uh, You know, we have our little ways where we can communicate our microphones and earpieces and all that fun spy stuff. So uh, I'll go out to the auction. You guys stay here. And I don't really recognize any of the villains. I don't really think that we're supposed to. And remember that, like, everyone's wearing masks and stuff anyway. So, like, it's not like Electro is going to be there in his Electro mask, you know. So, uh, but otherwise, like, I don't recognize any of the costumes and stuff Either, but there is like a Hydra shield. There's like, you know, again, like I said, there's all kinds of weapons. There's like a spear and a sword and some guns and some other tech. There's a thing that looks like a really high tech soda can. Anyway, so the auction kind of gets going, and they're like, here we have a dude who is going to auction off the DNA of a super powered individual. So he gets up on the stage, this guy that's Auctioning this off. Ironically, he's in an Iron Man mask, and he gets up there and he's like, "Here's the deal. I hold the entire genetic sequence, the entire DNA sequence for a superpowered individual. The superpowered individual is Danielle Cage." Again, the scene cuts. You see Luke, and you know Luke Cage is like, "What?" And you see Jessica Jones, and she's has some choice words to say. And the issue ends right. So it says next: Angry powered parents on a submarine. So like pretty good issue so far. Um, it's a quick pace. I like that The issue just like, just kicked in like, bam, Wolverines defusing a bomb. And then we're going to go to this like really kind of awkward situation. This is, I, this is a scene that I would like to see in like one of the Marvel, one of the MCU, uh, like Marvel series on Disney plus or something, just because like, it's a kind of a funny situation you're at this black market auction, but you're in a submarine. So I don't know. I just think that there's some fun stuff that they could do with something like that. So that takes us right into um, Adamantium agenda number two. I do have to say the title doesn't really match the story so far. Um, and it doesn't really line up with anything else that happens in the story over the next three issues. But there's not really any part of this story that actually deals with adamantium but whatever it's a cool title adamantium agenda i like it so now we get a little bit more of that scene from tribeca you know years ago i remember the last time we saw the bomb had just gone off luke and jessica and spidey were waiting like at the perimeter because according to the shield lady there was still uh, high levels of radiation and stuff and it wasn't safe for people to go in tony stark of course showed up and iron man's like "No, no no i got this i'll go find logan so I'm heading in. And so now we kind of see Spider-Man is on his little comm and he's asking Tony, like, Hey, do you have him, Tony, do you, do you see Logan? And Tony's kind of walking around in this rubble? Like, no, I don't see him. I'm not getting any life signs. Oh, wait, there he is. And you just see this, like this rubble. There's like all this green kind of smoke, kind of a green glow to the whole area. Cause you know, radiation is always green. That might not be true. But <laughs> uh, but radiation is usually green in the movie. So I just assume that like all radiation is green. There's probably no such thing as orange radiation or purple. It's all green anyway. Uh, so we have this rubble. There's all this green glow and everything. We see Iron Man kind of like in the background. He's got his light and his chest lit up like a spotlight and he's looking. And we just kind of see in the foreground, like a one, one clawed hand, just kind of sticking out of the rubble, you know, that kind of traditional shot that you always see of, of a hand sticking up out of the rubble. Only of course it's Logan's hand. So there's three claws coming out of it. And Iron Man's like, Oh, found him. Um, and he gets all the rubble and stuff. And he's like, Oh, it's a good thing that you're not here. Spider-Man, because you, (laughs) you, you couldn't handle seeing this, but then, uh, we finally get to see Wolverine's face. It's all blown to bits and everything, but it's healing. Uh, but it still doesn't look very good. And there's just the sound effect snicked uh, at the very end of the page. And when you turn the page, you find this, like, healing Wolverine. Parts of his adamantium-laced ribs are still kind of sticking out and everything. Part of his face is still missing. But he's got his hand up and his claws popped. And they go right through Iron Man's head. Like, right under the chin, up through the top. And you just hear Spider-Man yelling, like, Tony! Um, and then right as Spider-Man's yelling, like, Tony, no, uh, this like, you know, sports car just comes driving up right behind Spider-Man and it stops and he rolls the window down. He's like, did you call me? What What do you want? And Spider-Man's like, dude, I thought you were in there. And Tony's like, um, there's tons of radiation in there. Like even with my Iron Man suit, do you really think I would go in there? Like, no, dude, I just, I'm controlling him through my glasses and stuff. Like I sent the Iron Man suit without me in it into this giant radiation ball. Luckily, in the amount of time we get that fun little exchange between Tony and Spidey, Wolverine's brain has kind of healed to the point now where he doesn't have to operate on instinct anymore. And he kind of realizes like, oh, whoops, I have my claws in Iron Man's head. I should probably retract those. He's basically gained enough cognizance at this point. um, And he's like, Tony, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And uh, Tony's like, dude, like, how do you people not get this? I'm not in the suit. (laughs) Wolverine's like, oh, okay, cool. And they just kind of sit there for a little while as, you know, Wolverine heals a little bit more. And as they're sitting there healing, Wolverine asks Tony, What would you have done if I was dead? And, you know, Tony has a little smarky remark, like, I don't know, poke you with a stick, I guess. And Wolverine's like, No, no, seriously, what what would you have done with my body? I've been used and experimented on my whole life. I don't want that to happen when I'm dead. I don't want my body to be someone's science project. And Tony's like, whoa, hey, hey, uh, you know, don't blame me. I'm not going to do any sciencey stuff. And so Wolverine's just kind of like, look, you're a scientist. Sometimes scientists tend to not see the people. They just see the potential. And so Wolverine's like, promise me right here and now, if I ever die, you will not use my body for science, and you won't let someone else do it either. This kind of, this this moment of, like, honesty and concern takes Tony back a little bit. He's like, whoa, hey, it's, I, I promise, it's, we're good. And so, now we're, you know, we're getting more of that whole thing where Tony tells Spider-Man, like, I owe him. From that day in Tribeca, I owe him. And you kind of seeing, like, all right, cool, Tony promised Wolverine that if he ever died that Tony would make sure that his body wasn't used for something bad. So that's kind of why he put that team, the team of Spidey and Luke and Jessica and himself, back together to kind of live up to that promise that he made to Spider- or <laughs> to Wolverine at that point. So now that we get a little bit more exposition of the past, we get to go back to the present on this submarine with Jessica and Luke kind of freaking out because someone, somehow, has their daughter's entire genetic structure, her entire DNA sequence, and they're going to sell it on the black market. So of course, Tony, being the good guy that he is, he buys it to make sure that no one else does, uh, because we don't want Danielle's (laughs) genetics to be manipulated by some supervillain. so Tony is able to buy it. He buys it for the paltry price of $30,000. The dude who was selling it is really kind of bummed out. He was expecting it to sell more. But I mean, in all fairness, it is the DNA of a child. And I don't think Danielle actually has any powers, at least not yet. I don't know if she does in in the Marvel Universe now, if they've aged her up, if she's still like a little baby. I think in this, she's like a year or two old. Like She's not very old. So anyway, the guy sells it, he leaves the stage and they're like, all right, you can go back to your cabin later on to complete the transaction. Tony's like, cool, but, uh, you know, I'm going to hang out here in the meantime and, you know, see what else they have for sale. We get some nerd stuff. Someone's selling like an original computer from Berlin in 1938. And I'm not sure if this is an actual computer or if this is like a Computer that canonically exists in the Marvel Universe. I have no idea, but we get to see a little bit of geeking out between Tony and Peter while they're just completely ignoring Luke and Jessica's freak out. Anyway, um, Tony doesn't end up bidding on anything else, and he is then uh, he returns to the cabin where they go to complete this transaction. And when the seller arrives inside the transaction, or inside the cabin to complete it, uh, someone else shows up. Someone who had been, I don't know if they were invisible or if they just like tele happened to teleport right in to the bunk or what. But who else would show up but Mr. Sinister? Ex-villain extraordinary One of my favorite X-Men villains. Um, although I think I prefer 80s, 90s Mr. Sinister to current, like... I don't know. We have like this take on Mr. Sinister now where he's just this very eccentric kind of weirdo. Um, it's not my favorite take on the character, but in the right context, it works pretty well. And so here he is showing up yelling you and the dude who had the genetic structure in the first place is like, Whoa, Sinister, wait, no. Uh, but before he can really explain why he stole this genetic sequence from Mr. Sinister, Sinister shoots some sort of an energy blast and, unfortunately, punctures the hole of the submarine. So maybe he didn't know they were in a submarine? I don't know. But, obviously, their cabin that they're in immediately starts flooding. And Spider-Man and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are kind of stuck here to try to plug this hole. And the best thing that they could think (laughs) is jessica grabs luke cage and she shoves him up against the hole in the hole ironically and then spider-man just like webs him into place uh i I don't know i just really like this moment they're like crap we need something indestructible oh i know (laughs) luke cage's skin is indestructible we'll just use him to plug the hole and then uh you know spider-man's webs to kind of fill the gaps in the meantime I don't know. It's funny. I I like this moment quite a bit and the artwork for it's pretty good. So then we go and we see, yep, Mr. Sinister is in fact like trying to uh, end the life of this guy that stole from him. Of course, before he's able to do that, um, Iron Man kind of comes and stops Sinister from what he's doing. And they're kind of having this little standoff where Sinister's like, look, 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 it's fine. I'm just going to get rid of this guy. And then I'm, I'll be gone, you know, just, so just let me do this. Um, and then Iron Man's like, no, you don't understand if you do anything to him, you're going to like, we need to get this submarine up to the surface before we do anything. So just wait a minute. And, um, a, a mysterious female figure enters into this hallway thing where they are. And she just says like, Hey, I listen to Iron Man if I were you and sinister just asks like, who who the heck are you? And she starts to take her mask off. And then we get like a panel of blackness and we just see the word snicked in all red. And it turns out it's Laura. It's X 23. It's the all new Wolverine. And she just pops her claws and, uh, relieves Mr. Sinister of his hand that he was using to uh, hold this goon in place. And you just see Spider-Man and Jessica are kind of watching from in their cabin. And Spider-Man states the obvious for everyone and says, it's Wolverine. And then the issue ends and it says next, the database. So um, I guess the plot here is about to thicken. So as with the previous issues in this series, the beginning scene is again in Tribeca, New York from years ago. Now we have the four uh, New Avengers united with Spidey and Luke and Tony and Jessica. And they're just kind of waiting outside of the zone um, the shield scientist is here saying like, it's cool. Um, the radiation levels are almost stable. It looks like it was actually designed to stabilize rather quickly. Like it was done by design. Tony just kind of confirms like, yeah, it, you know, iron, the Iron Man suit is with Wolverine at ground zero. And like, we can confirm it's, it's also almost stabilized in there as well. We go back to the scene where, uh, you know, Tony and Logan are just kind of sitting amidst the rubble as Wolverine's body heals up from just taking the brunt of this explosion. And uh, they had just had their conversation where Wolverine's like, hey, you know, if I die, make sure no one does anything with my body. Tony's like, sure, I promise. And then in the meantime, now we kind of get some more. Wolverine's like, I'll keep your secret. And Tony's like, what secret? What are you talking about? Wolverine's like, the bomb that blew up when it opened right before it exploded, I saw... This was a Stark Tech bomb, or whatever the company's called. Stark Industries, Stark Tech, I don't remember. But he's like, you built this bomb. But before we can see Tony deny that it was his bomb or anything like that, we go back to present day. We go back to now. So they, re- they revealed a little bit more about whatever this promise was. Like, why did Tony owe Wolverine? Because he sacrificed himself? Well, I mean, not really. Heroes sacrificed themselves all the time. So it was a lot more than just Tony promising Logan that he would look after the body. Tony told Kitty, I owe him. So there's something else more to it, right? So now we get one more piece. Okay. Wolverine didn't just sacrifice himself. He sacrificed himself because of this Stark bomb that that blew up. And so now we get to see a little bit more, but we don't have everything revealed to us quite yet. We go back to now, present day deep underwater in the spaceship, excuse me, the submarine that has a hole punctured in it that is currently being uh, plugged by Luke Cage. In the meantime, Sinister, the prissy little guy that he is now, is screaming his head off about being behanded, I guess, but he's eventually able to get over his pain. He unleashes with another of these energy blasts right at Laura. And so Iron Man and Spider-Man and Jessica Jones have to go to work. Iron Man's like, dude, he's going to poke a hole in, you know, he's going to poke another hole. This is ridiculous. And they're able to finally subdue him. Spider-Man's able to just kind of web him to the wall. Jessica Jones is able to come over and, um, you know, clock someone and it almost knocks him out. But he. Releases with yet another blast. Iron Man kind of jumps in the way and pushes Jessica out of harm's way as well. And so now, with these Avengers kind of out of the way, Sinister tries to make a move towards the scientist person again who had stolen from him. <laughs> but before he could do anything, uh, Laura has already recovered from the first blast that she took and she behands him again. So now he's got both of his hands gone. And now Laura's like, all right, try to shoot us with a blast now. You don't have any hands. And uh, Sinister realizes, I guess, in this moment, well, that he's finally beaten and like teleports out of the submarine. So Tony and the rest of the Avengers are then able to get the submarine back up to the surface before it sinks. They save the day. And they actually get picked up in the middle of the ocean by a helicarrier. So I don't know which of the Avengers, like, kind of, or yeah, which of the Avengers tipped off shield that that's where they were. But good news is they get to the surface and there's a helicarrier there waiting for them. So they take all these supervillains and people who are part of this black market deal, they take them all into custody. And they decide, hey, let's figure out how this guy had Danielle's DNA. So they decide to interview this guy. And he, like, immediately tells them, like, my name's Declan Fay. I worked for Mr. Sinister. He has a database of, like, everybody's genetic sequence on Earth in it. And, uh, you know, I stole what I could and I tried to sell it on the black market. Like, so sue me. He's like, but, you know, if you guys are promising to keep me safe from Mr. Sinister, heck, I'll tell you everything you want to know. I'll even tell you where it is. So now the team of Tony, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Spider-Man, and Wolverine, Laura, uh, decide, all right, cool. Let's, uh, let's follow up on this lead. This guy says that, uh, there's a DNA database and it's got like pretty much everyone's DNA in there. So, uh, let's go check it out. So we actually get a pretty cool little sequence of Tony is actually familiar with the island where this base thing is on. And he's like, I know there's a base here at one point, And if Mr. Sinister has moved into it, we can expect all kinds of booby traps and stuff. So this is going to be our plan. And he actually gets super suits for everybody. So you got all new Wolverine in a suit. You got Jessica and Luke and Spider-Man in their own you know, Iron Man suits and stuff. And they enact the plan and they get to the base. They sneak on into this base. When they arrive, despite having snuck onto this base and enacting this plan, they actually find like Sinister's defense forces, I guess, um like kind of already waiting in their Iron Man suits. They're actually able to make pretty quick work of these guards after they, you know, break through this line of defense and they find that the big double doors that are kind of blocking this, I guess, lab. It's Mr. Sinister's place, right? So it's probably got to be some sort of a lab. Uh, they break the doors. They get inside. They, they, like, it's empty. They find it empty. And it's just this giant, massive database. And they realize that it's a database that contains the DNA sequence, the entire genetic DNA sequence of every living person on the planet. So somehow, Mr. Sinister has gotten the DNA to every living person on Earth and has compiled that information into this massive database. And that ends the third issue of the series. So again, I don't know what any of this has to do with adamantium, (laughs) uh, but like I said, it's still a cool name. So now we're on the the final issue of this little mini-series. So far, we know that there was a bomb in Tribeca that went off. That was a Tony Stark bomb years ago, and Wolverine and Tony made some sort of a deal, and now Tony owes payback of that deal to Logan. The deal was that Tony would protect Logan's body in the case that he died from being used for you know, super villainous reasons. And so Tony has put together a team of Avengers, and they're trying to get track down leads. One of the leads led them to a warehouse... I guess, or a database, really, uh, that was run by Mr. Sinister that contained the entire DNA sequence of every person on the planet. Actually, uh, the fourth issue, the very beginning, the first few issues, or excuse me, the first few pages are actually a uh, memorial to Steve Ditko, the uh, co-creator of Spider-Man, who had passed away in the summer of 2018. So that's cool. I like when, when Marvel does a little something like that. There's like a little thing in here about Steve Ditko, um, his, his career with Marvel, kind of a little bit about his personal life and stuff, and then some of his best work that he's done. So I like when they do that, you know, when a creator passes away that they, they do some sort of an homage, uh, I, I just, I like that, uh, that Marvel did that. So that was actually the, the beginning of this issue. And then of course the actual story starts and now we finally get to see like the ending of Tribeca, New York years ago. So Wolverine has asked Tony to look after his body when he dies. And then Wolverine then asks Tony like, Hey, I got to go talk to the rest of the team, you know, Spidey and Luke and Jessica alone without you. So Wolverine comes out. And he tells them like, I asked Tony to watch over my body when I die, but I need you guys to watch over him and make sure that not only does he make sure that my body doesn't fall into the wrong hands, I need you guys to watch him and make sure that his hands aren't the wrong hands. Um, and so at that point, then Spider-Man and Luke and Jessica are like, yeah, we promise. So that's kind of what all of these promises are. Um, I think, I, I can't remember if it's been said in the issues yet that Tony and, and Logan actually made a deal when Logan said, hey, that's one of your bombs. Tony was like, I don't know anything about that. And so I think that they made a deal where Logan would also then go around the world and try to track down any Stark tech or Stark weapons and stuff that are being used incorrectly. Um, I can't remember if we had revealed that yet, so sorry if that's later on in this issue, uh, but... I just wanted to, to point that out. There was, you know, kind of a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll do this for you now. And then you'll do that for me later. And then I'll get these other guys to kind of watch you and make sure that you do, in fact, do that for me later. Um, and so here they are in this warehouse, in this database of DNA sequences. And of course, Tony Stark being the scientist that he is he's like hold on what about the potential that we have with all of these genetic structures like we can we can use this information for good maybe we can find people that heal and we can use that dna to make other people heal and we can you know and so his his mind's kind of turning and he's looking at the potential not the people who are actually there which is of course what Wolverine said to him sometimes as a scientist you don't see the people you just see the potential. So eventually Spider-Man's like look this is you know I I know where Tony's coming from I get it from a science point of view but like this isn't this isn't cool there's got to be something else going on let me take a closer look while we're at it and that's when Spider-Man realizes that even though this is the genetic structure of everyone on the planet it's actually missing the mutants. And it seems like the mutants were removed from the database, but not by Mr. Sinister, by someone else. And it's at that moment, right when they realize, oh my gosh, someone else has been here, that they start taking fire again. And it looks like those guards that they had blown through when they first arrived, um, either reinforcements appeared or they finally came to in the meantime. And, uh, you know, they've begun shooting at them again. And then after they subdue these two, these two guys again, Laura and Jessica are kind of like, Hey, wait a minute. When we came in, there were only two guys and we, you know, knocked them out, blew right by them. And then here's just these two guys again. We don't know if it's the same two guys or if it's more, but this is still kind of easy. Like we've been here in Mr. Sinister's lab in his database, and we've only seen like four guys, maybe, maybe only two. Um, and so Laura, of course, starts kind of sniffing around. Like, you're right. There should be more guards. There should be scientists. Like they're cataloging this DNA. There's no way that Sinister can be doing this with like automated stuff. There's got to be something else going on. So she starts using her nose to kind of sniff around and like, is there anyone else here? Oh yeah. You know what? I smell people over here behind this door. Luke Cage just starts like putting his helmet back on and stuff. And he's like, all right, everyone be ready. She's going to open the door. And Laura's like, No, no, no there's. There's no need. All the scientists in this room have passed away, and they open the doors, and it's like, you could tell that there was this huge battle here between like scientists and guards, and like a, a third party that we don't know yet. Spider-Man's kind of looking like, well, why would why would Mr. Sinister do this to his own people? And Jessica was like, no, 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 look, th- look at this symbol on their shoulder. This isn't this isn't Mr. Sinister's thing. This is someone else. Some people came here before us specifically for this database and that's when they kind of realized like oh that must have been where all the mutant sequences went someone must have come in here and physically taken the mutant dna out of this database spider-man's like yeah you're right and you know what we can't let that happen again like we can't let the wrong hands get hold of this like we have to destroy it of course before they put their plan into action The now re-handed Mr. Sinister teleports in there and starts beating the crap out of him. At one point, he like knocks Luke Cage down and everything. Um, And, you know, we get a cool little battle where we get some Luke Cage bashing and some Spidey bashing and some Laura bashing. Um, Definitely some claw action from Laura. And eventually they stop fighting because they realize, all right, cool, Sinister's beaten. What happened? And that was kind of when Sinister's like, look, we were here. And someone came in and like wiped out all my scientists and took all the mutant stuff and left. And Laura's like, all right, well that sucks. Um, but like, do you have my father's body? That's kind of why we're, why we're here is we're looking for Logan. And Sinister's like, no, I, I don't need it. I have his DNA already. It's, it's in my database, or at least it was all the mutant stuff's been taken. And so, now they're like, they've beaten sinister and they're like, all right, cool. We are, um, you know, it's time to destroy the database. And of course, sinister objects. No, like you can't, Tony, you have to see the potential. Uh, okay. Okay. Remember earlier when I said that, uh, Spider-Man and Tony kind of made that deal. So now when sinister says you have to see the potential, that key image is actually enough where, We then get our, I guess, our final flashback to the whole Tribeca situation. Yeah, and then here's where Wolverine's like, look, before the bomb went off, I saw the Stark Industries logo. And Wolverine's kind of like, well, you know, when you go around making bombs of course, at some point, they're going to fall into the wrong hands. Like, this is what I mean. You always see the potential. You see the potential in your creations, but you don't see the people, the people that are going to use them for bad, the people that are going to get hurt by them if they're used in ways that they're not intended to be used. And then, of course, now we flash back to the present again. And that little hearing the word potential, going back to that conversation with Logan, that's enough for Tony to be like, yeah, it's time let's uh, let's destroy it so the avengers just all of them with their energy blasts and stuff they just completely destroy everything and mr center's like no and then he leaves or, i guess or teleports, or they just leave him there because they're like hey if he doesn't have his database he's not really an enemy anymore so they leave him and they go back their mission is now over they didn't find logan he didn't have logan's body so everyone's all kind of bored and now they kind of go home and regroup. Now we actually see Jess and Luke's home in Harlem and we find out that the babysitter that Tony had mentioned way back when to Spider-Man where he's like I've already got the babysitter so I'll pick up Luke and Jess on the way and uh we're going to go to this rendezvous. Turns out the babysitter was none other than Danny Rand, the Iron Fist. So, I like it. Um and then Rand is like, "Hey, hold on. Wait, did you guys go on a mission? Like I thought I was just babysitting Danielle because they were like going out of town for a couple of days. You guys went on a mission? <laughs> I just, I just like that moment where he's like, oh, come on. You didn't want me on the team. Uh, in the meantime, Tony Stark's like, oh, hey, um, by the way, Laura, I have some information. When I was taking a peek at the database, I, I noticed something about your DNA. And Laura's like, yeah, I know. I'm a clone of Wolverine. Like we've been over this. Tony says, no. You're not just a clone of Logan's. Sarah's DNA is all through you. You're not Logan's clone. You're as much Sarah as you are Logan. Sarah Kinney was your mother. So, if you recall, listeners, bubs, um, back in the early days of this podcast, I covered, I had a whole month for Laura and I covered her earliest appearances in the comics as well as her earliest appearances in the x-men evolution cartoon just because laura is an awesome character and i wanted to make sure that i covered all of her origin that i could because her origin is pretty cool um it's a clone of wolverine but like up to this point every time there'd been a clone of wolverine it had been some weird evil thing and it had only been like part wolverine cut like albert for example where you get like uh, the biological material was cloned from Wolverine, but he's also a robot. Well, he's like a cyborg and stuff. And we've had other um, stories like that with Wolverine. But if you if you recall, I covered X twenty three volume one way back in episode sixteen of the show. That was X twenty three volume one one through six. And in that um, in that volume we find out that what happened is members of the facility got genetic material from Wolverine and they weren't able to make a a straight clone because the Y chromosome that they had was damaged. So the storyline was they took his X chromosome and they cloned it. They made two X chromosomes. And by doing that, they made a female clone of Wolverine in a lab, in a petri dish, they were able to mix it all together and get, you know, a full genetic sequence out of that. And then once it was like an embryo or whatever, they implanted that embryo into Sarah Kinney, and she was then able to grow this clone as a child and do all that. So now we're finding out that she actually wasn't just uh, Wolverine's X chromosomes doubled and then made uh, we actually find out in here, she's actually a full on human being. She is half Logan and half Sarah. So I don't know actually, if we've ever followed up on this, if there's ever been a storyline to kind of follow up on that, or if this was just enough, just Laura knowing that she is in fact, not a clone, but a full human being, a full human daughter of Logan and Sarah. Um, I don't know if they just left it at that because they're like, hey, that's enough. Laura knows what she needs to know. Or if they ever went back and explored it, I'm, I'm not sure. But I like that idea that she's not just a clone. She is. She's an actual human being. She's a real person. Um, not to say that a clone isn't. I don't know. There's all kinds of science ethics there that um, I'm, I'm not familiar with. But uh, I just like the fact that she's like a full person. That's pretty cool. And then Tony drops one more kind of bombshell before the whole story ends where he's like, Hey, you know what? Um, one of the other DNA structures I found was for a member of the X-Men. And it turns out that this, this person, um, isn't a mutant. This person was modified to appear to be a mutant, but they're not. And Laura and Spidey and Jess are like, well, what does that mean? And Tony just says, I think the X-Men have a sleeper agent. So again, I'm not, I don't remember if they ever address this. I don't believe that any of this stuff is brought up in Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends. Or if they ever get to it like as part of Dawn of X where we find out who the traitor is or who the sleeper agent is or whatever. But yeah, I just I like that there's a little some last bit of mystery. They close out the storyline that we got with a little extra stuff. That's the end. You know, it just says to be concluded in Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends number one. So that is. Is adamantium agenda like I said right before we started breaking these issues down? I feel that objectively, this is probably the best series. Um, it's the best story-wise. Um, it's the best art-wise. Um, the writing, I think, is at least tied with one other series, the series that we'll discuss next week, which is my personal favorite. Um, but you know, Tom really did tell a great story here in four issues. He got the characterizations down. I know I didn't read a whole lot of lines or specific character moments or or any of that sort of stuff, but he's got a great voice for Laura. He's got Logan's voice down. Same thing with Spidey, Tony. I love his Luke and Jessica. Uh, Just a fun written. I like that this Mr. Sinister actually seemed threatening again, and he wasn't this just eccentrically flamboyant character that he's become he's kind of become this like meta joke of like what an eccentric scientist would be if he was also like flamboyantly obsessed with victorian style um you know the the one that he is now which is fine like it's fun it's cool that these characters kind of change if he was that same like weird mad scientist that he's always been it would get stale um but even in that case, like in this case, he was still fairly threatening and the eccentricity was kind of gone because this was more of a serious storyline. Um, and so I thought that, uh, Tom Taylor did a really great job with all of these characters and everything. And of course the artwork from RB Silva was fantastic. Um, RB Silva is an excellent superhero artist and, uh, it really shines in a lot of the action that we get. Um, and as you, as you heard, there's quite a bit of action in this, four issues. So um Arby Silva I think was the right choice for this. So objectively speaking, I think this is probably the best of the four series. Although next week we'll get to my favorite of the four um after you know all these rereads, which is Weapon Lost. So Bubs again just to wrap up, that was Adamantium Agenda one through four. Not really sure where the Adamantium Agenda name came from because none of this was about Adamantium, but you know it is what it is. don't forget to jump onto Instagram and follow at Talk TalkinSnicked, uh, where we're just going to keep the conversation going. We can talk about Wolverine, you can get updates for upcoming episodes, things like that, links to what have you. Otherwise, I can be reached at uh, TalkSnicked at gmail.com, just TalkSnicked, T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T, unlike the name of the show, just TalkSnicked, at gmail.com send me an email if you want to chat about favorite wolverine stories or least favorite wolverine stories or you know feedback for the episode anything like that go ahead and uh, send me an email there make sure you check out retcon x um, check out his spotify playlist he is the musician who wrote the song that we'll be playing here at the end it's a track called back from the dead so uh pretty thematically sound here on uh, on this particular episode because we are in fact talking about the storyline that led up to wolverines back from the dead so i uh, thought that was rather fitting just wanted to give a shout out again to retcon x so lastly uh bubs if you remember a couple weeks ago i was giving some shout outs one of those shout outs was for a dude named brett scott great dude he is a host of uh, a handful of different podcasts. Go check them out, but specifically go check out Marvel Plus. It's a podcast where each week he and or a special guest host break down the most recent episode of whatever is the current Disney Plus MCU related series. So for WandaVision, he dropped nine episodes. Each episode, he and a, and a guest broke down that week's episode of WandaVision. He's currently doing weekly episodes breaking down Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And a special announcement, I will be appearing on his podcast where we will be breaking down and reviewing and discussing episode four of Falcon and Winter Soldier. So look for that um, over the next few weeks. I want to say that's coming out in uh, mid-April. So in the meantime, go check out Marvel Plus, hosted by Brett Scott, and then give him a follow. He is on all the various social medias, at Scott. So I think that does it for this week. Tune in next week as I cover Weapon Lost issues one through four from Charles Soule and Matteo Buffagni. Until next time, bubs.